Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You can watch us on the Simulcast Stadium, 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111, If you would like to get in now in the next segment or the best times to get in the 10 o'clock hour, we're going to be very busy with interviews, talking Astros with our friend Patrick McClellan from the Lima Time podcast. And then, not the final, but the final lead-up installment of our Kentucky Derby series with Mr. Tom. Kentucky Derby is Saturday. We, we reviewed pretty extensively and reviewed and previewed the, the Derby prep races. Now we know post positions and odds and all that. So we'll see... Um, how that goes with Mr. Tom. And then again, uh, we'll kind of do a little more high school baseball at about 935, talking with defending state championship for class 4A coach Jeremy Trojan from North Vermillion. Look forward to talking to Jeremy after talking to Brooks tomorrow. And then hopefully we can hook up with our old friend Lonnie Landry tomorrow. That's the plan anyway. All right. So, um, Yesterday was a strange day. I at at after I left radio at work, there was all kind of stuff going on, so I stayed away from work and kind of watched the Astros while I was working with the sound muted, and just so I can kind of know what's going on. But really, I was working, so um, I didn't hear any of the commentary. So if anybody was watching or listening to the game and if they said anything about when was the last time, if it had ever happened or how many times it ever happened where the Astros had shut out a team for an entire series because it was starting to look like that was going to happen. And then in the, uh, in two out, with two outs in the seventh inning, Eugenio Suarez hit a two-run homer off of Verlander and Suarez had been on an awful slump. I mean, I don't know what it ended up being, but it was long. And he basically bailed out the Astros Monday by hitting into a double play to end the game because Montero was really struggling. Um, The ironic thing is I don't think the Astros (laughs) pitched super fantabulous in this series other than Verlander, but they only gave up two runs. Just kind of crazy the way baseball can work. Now, to be fair, um, I was talking yesterday when when the when the when we were discussing the awful development that the Saints were going to be playing in um, in London and fearing what that stretch might be that three or four week stretch before or after and Joey talked about that understand that the mayor I mean I joke about it but there's a little bit of logic in that joking there's a little bit of 
not truth, but kind of sort of almost truth in my joking when I say that Seattle is in Asia. Because really, it, it's a, if you look at the map, it's a hop, skip, and a jump from the Bering Strait. I mean, it's almost in Asia. It's a fur piece, as, as I would say. And so when the Astros were the third leg... Someone called yesterday, and I think he was talking about, like, like yesterday was a great game to bet on. One, you had Verlander pitching. And two, essentially, the way I say it anyway, Seattle is an Asian team on an, um, were taking, was on a three-city American. Like, they had to go from Asia to Cuba. I mean, they went from Seattle to Miami. And... The Astros, they stopped in Houston, was the third leg of a three-city trip. So, you know, they, it, it kind of makes sense that they were slipping a little bit. It kind of makes sense that if, if they were going to have a rough series, it would be the, you know, it's one thing to say, well, I'm on a West Coast trip, but, man, that is, that is you know, again, as I said, that's a fur piece from – Asia to Cuba, essentially, is what they did, and so it 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 was it's it it was it's kind of like when you play, you know, if if an NBA they don't do that anymore, but an NBA team would play three game road games in a row. That that third game, they're they're normally in trouble. Like back when they used to, the schedule was a little more compact. Or an NFL team that plays on the road three weeks in a row, they're normally pretty vulnerable in that third road game in a row. So, again, that circumstance, that goes into what I always say, it's not who you play, it's when you play them. Now, let's, that's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is, like I've said, the Astros have owned the Mariners forever. I think they're like 27-4 and four now. I may be off on the 26, 27, 28, but I think they're like 27 and four at Minute Maid Park in the last 30 something games, something like that. And out of that four, one of them was a sweep. It was either two years ago or three years ago. They came to Houston and swept the Astros, which was whoa. So three of those four wins was in the same series in the last like three or four years. It's just. Um, they they must just dread coming to Houston. But anyway, they probably hate Men in May Park. I love Men in May Park. They the poor Mariners probably hate it. But anyway, what what came out of it uh, for me is that um, you know Bregman had a nice hit. That was great to see. You need to get him going. Uh, need to get Altuve going. Well, well, you know that'll come in time. But man, I I, I just wonder if this Verlander stuff is real. I just. Can it really be real? Now, it's not like he's some fly-by-night second- or third-year player. I mean, he's probably going to the Hall of Fame. And, and and he's as mentally tough and determined and all that as anybody. I mean, he's uh, he's kind of cut from the uh, Nolan Ryan, Roger Clemens mold to me, though, the, the, um, in terms of just doing what it takes to, to to stay around and to no I'm not talking about the steroids PED stuff I'm not talking about that but you know just I think he's cut from that mold but 
Um, and so I, I have some belief that it could happen. We'll see. So certainly, um, any thoughts on that? The Astros now open a four-game series at home against the Detroit Tigers, another team that's been struggling offensively, really struggling offensively. And I, I think it's it's the part of when we talk to Patrick next hour that I'm most looking forward to asking him. Uh, there was a series, seemed like it was about this time of the year. Maybe it was in June, maybe not in May. I don't remember. But it was fairly early in the season last year that um, Detroit came to Houston for a three-game series, and it was not competitive. Like, the Astros got their faces crushed. It was not a competitive series in Houston. They got totally swept. If you remember last year, the Astros had a weird – they had a great year, went to the World Series and all, but they had – there were three or four really bad teams that just the Astros didn't beat, couldn't beat, or didn't beat, got crushed. And Detroit was not a real bad team, but they didn't have a winning record. But but they just came to Houston and just destroyed. Kind of made you go, hmm – but anyway, so we'll see if they get a little – see if the Astros have any memory of that and maybe get a little revenge. We'll see how, how that plays out. It is Thursday, so we talked to UL softball coach Jerry Glasgow uh, yesterday, and they open a three-game series tonight in Monroe, so we'll be keeping an eye on that. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. You know, um, fantasy is a strange thing when you play fantasy because it, 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 the, the, the thoughts are different. I, I've been saying for a while now, well, actually, you could argue I've been saying it since last summer, the, Astro, the Saints need a veteran running back. And... Um, More recently, names like Darrell. I've been bringing up Devontae Booker just because I think his skill set I kind of like. Uh, more recently, people have been talking about Darrell Williams. Y- yesterday, the name arose of Sony Mitchell. Oh, Sony Michelle Mitchell. Sony Michelle, the ex-Georgia running back. And I and I bring up fantasy because I had him, I want to say it was three years ago, and he was just awful so like I have this awful when I when when I see the name Sony Michelle I get it was it was a year where he was good pretty good the year before and he was with the and he was still with the Patriots and I drive and he didn't do any he was awful um and so when I see the name Sony Michelle my first reaction was I'm never picking that guy again (laughs) and look Fantasy and real football, or just like fantasy baseball, real baseball, and it overlaps a little bit, but really they're they're very different animals, and I and I typically separate them pretty easily. Um, for instance, I've I've had cheaters on my team. I, I don't really care. It doesn't matter picking some picking players or players from teams that I hate. Some people never do that in fantasy. Like I, that, it's not a big deal to me because I totally separate fantasy sports. To me, is totally different than 
um, rooting for my team. Because I don't even really, it, it's not totally separate in that I don't like having Astros and Saints on my team. I, I want to, and to me, that helps me keep them separate. I um I don't want to be, um, I don't want to have a saint on my team, and when they get in the red zone, I'm worried about whether he scores or not. I don't care if the left guard throws a touchdown pass. I just want to score the touchdown. I don't want to have to worry about oh much my, my guy didn't. I, I just would rather not have any saints or any Astros on my team. None. When the Astros, you know, a guy for the Astros hits a home run or strikes out with a runner scoring position, I don't want to think about fantasy. I'm, I want it to be about the Astros. So, but even though I've had a bad fantasy experience with Sony Michelle, he is technically a veteran running back. So I guess if uh, he's visiting the Saints, I guess if they would end up signing him, I, I would be happy because he, he fits the veteran running back um, need that I think this team has. He better be healthy. My experience, and I don't hate Sony Michelle. He just, I just had a bad fantasy experience with him. But um, normally players that I really don't like when they come on my team, it, it doesn't go well. Normally doesn't go well. And every time I say that, I think of Orlando Merced. And I didn't hate Orlando Merced, but the and Woody Williams, they just owned the Astros. And then they came to the Astros, and they did nothing. They were awful. So anyway, the news of all of that is Sony Michelle's visiting the Saints. And what that means to me is the Saints are still thinking like I am about their team. And that's normally a good thing. That's not really a good thing. I've found over the years. That's normally a good thing. I like it. I like it a lot. All right. We will take a timeout and be back on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Genius. Genius. Noun, the New Orleans Saints' longtime head coach who often struggles with game management. But since Kevin lost a bet to a caller, the coach is now referred to as a genius, also known as Sean Payton. Now, back to the man with his very own language, Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Actually, he's now known as Casper the Quitter. But you know what? I'm um my anger from that is starting to wane a little bit because I'm so excited about where the Saints are right now, if they can just have a healthy season. If they could only have a healthy season, but um, kind of starting to, I keep trying to remind myself if he goes coach again, if the quitter goes coach again, he uh, Saints will get draft picks. So you know there were some people, and I run across them here and there, that 
They didn't like what the Saints did in the first round because they think they gave up too much with the, you know, the trade with Philly, first of all, and then trading again to get up. Um, and I think many of us, including myself, have to continue to remind ourselves about that possibility. That if Casper ends up coaching in the next year or so, not this next season because he'd be doing TV, but the year or two after that, then the Saints are going to get draft picks. So just kind of keep that, store that away in the in the back of your mind maybe a little bit. Um, it's important. But as for the um, Sony Michelle thing, I was thinking during the break, he went to Georgia. Georgia's, you know, for a long time, USC growing up, was running back you. Right now, Georgia is running back you. I mean, over the last two decades, Georgia is kind of running back you. Um, I don't know. that Have the Saints, I was thinking, have the Saints ever had a running back from Georgia? I, I, I can't think of one. I mean, as many running backs have come out of Georgia and really good ones. Like Alabama's put out a few running backs, but none of them, hardly hardly any of them are any good. Um, I mean, Superman's done, ended up being good, but he didn't start out being good, and, and there hadn't been a whole lot of others that, that were all that good. But Georgia's put out some really good ones over the last 20 years, and really, you know, beyond that, obviously, going back to Herschel Walker, although... Herschel was a much better college player, I would say. He was a good NFL player, but he wasn't a great NFL player compared to what he was in college. But I, I don't know that the Saints have ever had a Georgia running back. So that 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 part would would would, would be interesting for sure. Wanna remind you about Astro Weekend Getaway? Astros will be playing the Texas Rangers. See if the Astros could possibly get out. Corey Seager. That doesn't happen very often. But Astros play on May the 21st against the Red Rangers. If you would like to t- win the Astro Weekend Getaway, simply register at the Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. You can win four tickets to that game, a ballpark tour at Mid and May Park, and hotel accommodations for that Saturday night. Astro Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston, downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. I can't win. My daughter, Raleigh's a big Astro fan. She said, Dad, we need to win that. I said, we can't win. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Uh, we can't win. So, um, but no, it, w- it would be, it, it, it's, it's a great prize. So if you're an Astro fan or prefer actually if you're an Astro but if you're just a baseball fan and you just want to uh, go to a great ballpark and watch Major League Baseball, certainly uh, feel free to register at the Game Clubhouse. It would be a great prize to win. All right, the game hotline is 706-0111. Got a Got a text here that says, uh, yeah, was – not good in fan. I, no, I get he, he. I picking a patriot running back. You you do at your own peril. It, it 
it wasn't like he was my first or my second one or anything. It's just um, he was especially bad the year I pick him because they do have a um, a running. They're, they're one of the running back by committee teams that are uh, a nightmare for for fantasy. No, no, no question about that. Again, if you would like to comment on any of this on the game hotline, 706-0111, 706-0111. Has anybody heard any logic? Scheduling has always fascinated me, and bad scheduling especially fascinates me. You know, the, there's no NBA games tonight, and the teams that play Tuesday are play, playing Friday, and the teams that play Wednesday are playing no, the teams that play Wednesday are playing Friday, and the te- teams that play Tuesday are playing Saturday. I don't, I don't understand that. I, I haven't heard any logic as to why that would be the case. I, I don't get it, but uh, it is a little bit puzzling. And in the in the big picture, I guess it doesn't really matter that much. It's just kind of a a strange thing that I guess it has to do with like. My, my theory about ESPN divisions, you know, they there's certain teams that they like to glamorize um, or, um, or not. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Yeah, what's up, man? Um, let me ask you this, man. Um, if you're 24 years old and you follow the Saints and you never heard of Jeff Blake, is that an issue, or or am I making too much of it? Well, I think you should know about Jeff Blake, yeah. But again, if you're 24, then you probably didn't start rooting for him until you were probably like 10, 11, 12, I'm just guessing. And then, you know, Drew Brees had already started playing. But, but but you know, again, I, it, you know, I have a friend as a – I have a friend that uses this example of all always. I know who George Washington is, and I wasn't around when he was. <laughs> hey, but hold up though. See, see that like that that stuff like that. What your friend said Th- to me that this is this is what's happening with sports talk. Man, people feel like they don't have to do the history to go back. You know, we all we it's just we just in the moment, man. Yeah, y- you know what I'm saying. Right. And for someone, I'm not I'm not coming at anyone. You know what I mean, but. Uh, you know, Jeff Blake, especially. I know he went down. I know Jeff Blake. Well, I think he went what seven and four that year. It sounds about know. right. But, you know, something like um, that. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I know he, he didn't play with the Saints that long. And I know it was Aaron Brooks who, who usually get the credit, uh, especially that 2000 season. But I, I'm, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm just like you said, man. I, I never seen Satchel Page play. <laughs> no, you know, I, I wish I, I would have seen Larry Doby, but I just think that's the difference, man. Like, we actually read about this information. Um, I'm sure, like, look at someone like you. You know, I'm sure you. I don't know. I don't know how you was uh, were raised, but I was reading almanacs. <laughs> yes, <laughs> from '71, just just picking up anything. You know, Absolutely. just studying the game, man. Uh, and that started in 1988 when I was nine years old. So. um there's no excuse. I don't, I don't care, you know. But like I said, maybe I'm tripping. Maybe I'm making too much of it. Um, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. And I blame you too, man. You, you need to talk to him, man. Okay. I'll take you, some you of it. Talk to him, put him in a corner, sit him down, break down Saints history with him. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't know exactly who he's talking about, but okay. But you know what? I thought he was going to, when he said, I blame you, I, um, it did hit me yesterday. 
I don't know why I had that thought. Um, but when Jay said, I blame you, what I what immediately came to mind is I, I had the thought, you know what, you haven't talked that, that as much Saints history lately as you as you have been. I've, I've been so obsessed about the draft and 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 I don't take any blame for that because it, it's all the QWs all over the world that made me all crazy and like you gotta be kidding me picking quarterback. Why do people, you know, I don't want to go over that again, but I tried to ignore it and it just they they just kept throwing it at me. It's like so they they got me so obsessed with trying to will it into existence that the Saints would think about look at things like I did and the way it looks it look the way it looks the Saints are thinking exactly like I'm thinking. I mean, really, in this whole offseason. They have just um exactly like I'm thinking. And so that's good. But um but no I haven't because of that I probably didn't talk enough Saints history and draft history and free agent history and all that. So um, I guess I apologize, but, you know, it's kind of life. Sometimes that that, that stuff happens. (laughs) My crazy daughter just texted me. She says, nobody cares about Saints history. It's baseball season. (laughs) That's not true. It is baseball season, but a lot of people, Riley, care about Saints history. And me, your old fat dad, care very much about both. Saints history and baseball season. Oh man, it's tough. She she's my biggest critic. You didn't talk enough about the Astros today. Talk too much about football. Man, she's so mean. She is my biggest critic. Her man Ren didn't play yesterday. No, or did he play? Was it the day before? No, I think it was yesterday. He didn't play. But the Astros won, so it was good. No, so we'll uh no, I, I don't I don't think the Saints have ever had a Georgia running back, not one that I could remember. And so I guess I would be okay with Sony Michelle, but really I would rather Daryl Williams. But at this point, I'm so happy. It's kind of, I kind of feel like there were some Saints fans that I talked to that weren't that happy with their second round pick or their fifth round pick or their sixth round pick, but they were so happy with the first round that they didn't even bother really complaining much about the other ones. Um, even though I think they they have a chance to be good, we'll, we'll see in time. Um, but again, um, that's kind of how I feel. Look, if they realize the need for a veteran running back and they go get one and it's not exactly the one that I kind of would want them to get. I mean, you can only complain so much. Like, come on now. It's like they realize the need. They're addressing it. It may not be exactly who you want, but we we can't be. We have to defer to them that they kind of know what's going on in that. And that doesn't mean they're going to be right, but you just say, okay, look, you've addre- you're addressing the need. It's kind of like you wanted an offensive tackle, but you don't really like Trevor Pitting. You know, you can we can only complain so much about that kind of stuff. Um, you have to kind of um, take what you can get, be satisfied, be content, happy with heading in the right direction, and that's 
where the Saints seem to be heading and certainly where the Astros seem to be headed in the right direction. We'll see what happens this weekend um, against Detroit. And again, at about 10.15, we'll be talking to Patrick McClellan from the Lima Time podcast, and we'll get some more thoughts about the Astros. All right, that'll do it for this segment. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we'll be talking baseball, high school baseball, with North Million head baseball coach Jeremy Tronhong who's going to maybe take his 4A state championship crown off his head to put the phone to his ear and talk to us. So we look forward to talking to Jeremy. They're going to be playing a three-game series this weekend against the Rain Wolves in the state quarterfinals of Class 4A. We'll discuss that with Jeremy next on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Do your loved ones run for cover when watching a game with you? Then Footnotes is the show for you. Time for more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Before we get to our special guest, want to remind you after a two year hiatus, the Brobridge Crawfish Festival is back this weekend on the festival grounds in Brobridge. General admission tickets range from $5 to $10, and you can buy a three day pass for $15. The musical lineup includes Wayne Toop, Chubby Carrier, and the Bayou Swamp Band. Our friend Gerald Grunig and Gentilly Zydeco, Sweet Cecilia, and many more. Obviously, great food. You know how festivals are. Great times. All at the Bro Ridge Crawfish Festival. For more information, visit bbcrawfest.com. All right, we have with us North Vermillion baseball coach Jeremy Tronhorn. How are you, sir? Doing good, man. I bet you are. I, I got to ask you, um... I, is it like the same way as a coach is a fan? Like I'm a sicko Saints or Astro fan. So like when when the Saints or the Astros are doing real good, especially like after they have like the Astros were in the World Series last year, and I start to obsess. Oh man, may I worried about this? Or we're gonna have enough pitching, or enough this, enough that? And I think, chill out, cat. I mean, you were in the World Series last year. So as this season went on, did you? I'm sure you have stressful moments here and there. Do you ever just say, look, I'm gonna stay champion. Just chill. Man, this year was a, a lot different than last year, man. We snuck up on a lot of people last year. And so, you know, this year everybody knew we had a lot coming back. And, you know, it was just a, definitely a different uh, dynamic for us as coaches and as well as, you know, for our team just because we knew, you know, we were going to be getting everybody's best. Um, you know, so it, it was, uh, it's, it's been a fun experience, but it's, I would say it's probably been a little bit more stressful, um, you know, this whole season just because we're, you know, we're playing with, with different kind of expectations, you know, with us winning it last year. So you could visibly, as a coach, see teams that you played both seasons play you harder this year. It was just noticeable. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, a lot of times we get everybody's best arm. Um, you know, for everybody, it's, it's, you know, it's a big deal. You know, any anytime we drop a game, 
you know, and, and, you know, luckily this year it was only two so far that, you know, it just, uh, you know, you just see everybody getting up for that. You know, I, I just feel like we've, we've gotten everybody's best and luckily we've, you know, we've done a pretty good job of handling it. Um, you know, our, our kids really have been focused on, on, on trying to, you know, repeat, trying to, you know, trying to get back to that same, you know, same level that we did last year. What has been, has it been your, your leaders or what have you and your coaching staff done to kind of help y'all get through some of that, you know, rough spots and kind of having a target on your back? Well, you know, this year, um, I was, our our pitching staff has been phenomenal. Um, you know, Jared Duyar, our pitching coach has has done a great job with these guys. Um, so, I mean, that's really carried us because for a while in this season, um, we weren't quite hitting as well as we did last year. And, and, but the one consistent thing all year has been, we, we've got a lot of really good arms that throw a whole bunch of strikes. Um, and I mean, we have a great group of kids. I mean, we've, we've got probably 43 kids in the program and, you know, they haven't had, we haven't had anybody complain about playing time. We haven't had, you know, it's the whole group. What's special about them is that they want to win and, and, you know, they want to win more than they're concerned about you know, how much they're playing or where they're batting in the lineup or who's pitching or um, I really think that's been our most, our thing that's helped us to be most more successful. You know, we have more numbers, so we have a lot of competition, but there's not a whole lot of uh, animosity amongst each other uh, on, you know, who's playing and who's getting the credit. And, you know, I think that's huge. It's, it, this happens a lot on the private school side of the brackets in different sports, but it doesn't seem like to happen quite as much on the public school side. And, you know, it happened with y'all softball program. They played Eunice, and then, you know, you played Eunice. Now you're playing Rain. It's just kind of bizarre the way these brackets have worked out with all these district and familiar teams in your bracket. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that it's helped out for us is we haven't had to do, you know, we do a good bit of scouting, and, and with the way technology is, Today, I mean, you can find, you know, almost everybody that you want online, and it's just if you're willing to to put in the work. So the one good thing is we we had everything we needed on on Eunice, you know, and and this week with rain is the same thing. So it's a little bit less prep for the the game coming up. Um, it also is a little bit stressful just because you have played them already, and you know, it's always. It's always tough to, to when you've already played somebody, you know. But I, I, you know, we feel like we're going to get Reigns best, and and uh, they've been playing really well. So I mean, we think it's going to be a pretty good series. All right. So is it tougher? I would think it's easier for your players, especially when you're defending state champion like you, to um. I. I I would think it's easier for, to 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 keep them from overlooking an opponent they don't know, as opposed to overlooking an opponent that they do know and have already beaten. Or how how do you kind of see that? Yeah, I mean that's always your worry, especially when you're playing somebody that that you've beaten already. Um, is that you worry that your kids are going to overlook them? But I, you know, I I think we've done a pretty good job of that throughout the season. The different teams that we've played and. And just you know, understanding that you could show up. I mean, in a in a three game series with us playing the double header on Saturday, you know, if you if you show up to the park one day and you don't have your best stuff, 
your season's over. You know, no matter what, you know, you work really hard throughout, you know, the four or five months of the season to put together, you know, what we have. And, you know, it's always a worry that if, you know, you show up on that Saturday and, and you just don't have it. I mean, you play two games on that day, you know. Um, but this is a group that I think is is, is not going to take rain lightly and, um, you know, and, and going to go out there and battle and, you know, hopefully it, everything ends in our favor. All right, we're speaking with North Million head baseball coach Jeremy Trojan. So, Coach, what do you remember from the rain games this year? What what, what kind of sticks out in your mind that is gonna that you're talking to your team about in preparation for this series? Well, we the, all their pitchers throw a, a ton of strikes, and they they've uh, played really well defensively. So we know we're gonna have to come out and hit. Um, they're not gonna just give it to us. Um, you know, we did hit really well the first time we played them, but. I mean, that was a game where the wind was blowing out like 25, 30 miles an hour here. So that game, you sort of kind of you can't really go off of that one. And then the other game was really close for probably four, four or five innings and then went up scoring a couple runs late. But, you know, they, they made the plays defensively. They're going to throw strikes. Um, you know, uh, the, the hope is that our pitching staff can, can, you know, keep it in check until, you know, we can get some runs on the board. Um but you know they they uh they've got a scrappy team man they uh, last year they took one from us um we split during district um so i mean they got some some solid players that get after it man other than the you have a bullseye on your back and everybody's playing you hard were there any concerns that you had from players that you might have lost or certain areas of the team that y'all had to address coming into this season uh, you know, the biggest thing, we had five seniors last year, but only two of them started. Uh, one of them was the guy that came off the bench in the semis and got the game-winning hit to uh, win our semifinal game. And then the other two guys are more role guys. But the, the biggest thing, that group of seniors from last year, they were their, their leadership was, was amazing, and they really did a good job of, of just keeping the team together. Um, you know, so I, I would say the biggest thing was just, you know, wondering how we were going to come out and handle the, you know, the pressure of, you know, returning everybody. So everywhere as you go, you hear people saying, people thinking that it's just going to be easy for us to get back to that same spot. But, you know, last year we had a whole lot of things that had to go right for us to, to win. I mean, we we were down uh, twice in the three-game series in the regionals last year. We were down by five in the semifinals with two outs, came back and won. You know, so we had a whole lot of things that had to go our way. So, you know, that you know, no matter how talented you are, you you have there's things that have to bounce your way um, you know, for you know, for you to end up you know, being the last team standing at the end. Um, you know, but I, I've been very pleased this we have five seniors again this year that that have done a tremendous job. They they're bought in, they're they're you know, they're focused on the goal and and they've been very productive for us, all five of our seniors this year. Um, you know, so I think they just sort of the seniors from last year just sort of passed the torch down to, to the group this year. So I asked this to Coach Batto when I had him on yesterday. Who who's the weather guy on your staff, and what is tomorrow looking like? Yeah, that would be me. <laughs> I have about nine weather apps on my phone, but uh, we uh, you know I've looked at it. We we have a tarp, but I don't think we're going to pull it because we've been needing the rain. We had tarped it Sunday, and we got poured on because we were trying to finish the game. Um, 
and man, the next day it rained for four hours. The next day we were we were really dry. So I think we're gonna try. We're gonna wait it out. The weather's coming in tonight uh, around midnight, and then it should be out by around seven. So I, I, we should be good. We hadn't pulled the tarp all year this year until Sunday. So I mean, I, I we we could handle some water. So. Uh, and even if it is a little bit wet, you know, we'll, we'll be able to get out here and, and do some work on it. So I'm hoping, I think we'll be good, man. I, I, uh, I think we'll, we'll, our field will, will soak it up pretty good. All right. Well, you know, I remember a year, what was it, four or five years ago where it just rained and rained and rained. So I'm sure as a baseball coach, you'd rather the dry stuff than all the rain out, right? Yeah, but we, we did some work on our uh, field this past fall that's really helped us because we've gotten some rain at times earlier in the year. Um, but in the past, we would have we would have been in a bind. Um, but no, this has been this has been a pretty good year for us to be able to stay away from all the rainouts. But some years it is it gets pretty crazy, you know. All right, Coach. Well, congratulations again on being in the position you're in, and good luck this weekend. We appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Jeremy Trohan, nor for me. And, I, you know, I'm when you're old like me, I, I remember being around in the early 90s when Coach Broussard was at was the baseball coach at nor for me, and, and they were winning a state championship and contending for a state championship. So it's always good to see programs sustain themselves. I like seeing that and, and not dropping off. And uh, good to see a good guy like Jeremy and his program having success. But again, to his point, I mean, like he mentioned that Karen Crow very easily could have won that series last year. And that's the kind of stuff I, I, I don't really forget. So many people are result-oriented. and You know, it's like in the NFL, everyone's acting like the Rams are the greatest team of all time and they, there's no way they could have lost. Well, all an NFL guy had to do is catch a ball that was thrown right to him with no one around him. And if he catches it, the Rams aren't even in the Super Bowl, much less winning the Super Bowl. So, and so, and Jeremy was talking about like they easily could have lost a couple of times, but they didn't. And so, you just enjoy the win, but you remember it's not like it was a pleasure cruise. And 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 I'm sure he's him and his staff are hoping that'll help them this weekend stay focused against the Rain Wolves, who obviously played really pretty well to get here. So, congratulations to the Wolves as well. All right, take a timeout, come back, finish out the first hour next on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Kevin Foote is a walking, talking encyclopedia of New Orleans Saints history. No. Seriously. After that is 2013, which I call the Forgotten Saints season because in so many people's mind, the Saints' streak of good football ended with the Bounty Gate season. And it's not just recent history either. In 88, they finished 10-6, and six, tied for first place in the division, did not make the playoff because they got cheated by a blind official named Fred Silver who absolutely cheated, uh, stole a game on Sunday night in a 13-12 loss to the Giants with his either blindness and ebbness or cheating or whatever you want to call it. I think he was just blind and senile. We return to the man who's forgotten more Saints history than you will ever know. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. 
Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to tell you a couple things. One, if you would like to win a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, uh, what you need to do is go to the game clubhouse. Go to 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com today. And you might put yourself in position to win a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. The other thing I'm going to say, it sounds like uh, the Cajun softball game tonight scheduled for six in Monroe will not be played. Not official yet, but it sounds like it's going to be a single game tomorrow at six and a doubleheader Saturday. So we'll let you know if we hear that that becomes official, but um don't expect the Cajun softball team to play tonight. I think that game's going to get pushed back uh a day with a Saturday doubleheader. And if you remember yesterday's conversation with coach Glasgow, he was kind of suspecting that in that the weather report. I thought he's remember I remember he looked it up on the show. It was like 60% chance of rain tonight and then it was really kind of clearing up over the weekend. So um Kind of, um, kind of, kind of not a surprise there, you know. Now the other thing I'm going to say we don't have time for because we're at the top, and I, I'm not going to belabor it. I'm just going to fill in some gaps. Sometimes you just need to fill in some gaps and let you make your own conclusion, and um, and move on. Has to do with that last promo that we play all the time. Just so you, to Jay's point, you got to understand the history of this situation. So I'll do that when we come back. For now, we'll take a break. We'll be back on the game. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You can watch us on the Simulcast Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. If you would like to get in, this is the segment to do so. We'll be talking Astros in the next segment and then... Kentucky Derby. It is Kentucky Derby week, so we'll be doing that with Mr. Tom in the segment after that. All right, the carryover from last hour that I teased. We do. We have one of those promos where I talk about the 1988 game between the Giants Sunday night game uh, at the Superdome and um, and Fred Silva costing the Saints not only a playoff spot but a division championship. And what happened on that play is the Saints were about to run out the clock. I don't know exactly. There was about two minutes to go. It was second and one. Second and one. If they get the first down, the game's over. They're in victory formation. They run a dive play to fullback Buford Jordan. He gets the first down. Fred Silva though, throws a flag and calls holding. 
on a second-and-one dive play to the fullback. It marches the Saints back 10 yards. They end up having to punt, and the Giants go down and kick a field goal and win the, and win the game, 13-12. to 12. It was 12-10 to 10 at the time, and they should have been running out the clock to win the game. Well, I decided after hearing that last little promo, let me look up Fred Silva. Fred Silva was born October 18th in 1927 in Oakland, California. Uh, Oakland, not good. He died December 3rd, 2004 in Palo Alto, California, which is 49er U. And the photo that in the middle of his Wikipedia page, he's wearing glasses. And his last year to officiate in the NFL was 1988. The very year we're talking about. I'm not going to say anything else. I just was going to, I'm just filling in those gaps. That's all I'm saying. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Kevin. Kevin. Hello. You hear me? Yes, sir. How are you? <laughs> I'm okay, man. But let me tell you, you. I have to say, sometimes you, you, you're not a you're not a well person. <laughs> I mean, you know. Oh man, oh, Kevin, Kevin, listen, I mean, that know, one I still makes me mad. I do. I really remember a game, but man, you still screaming about a game that happened in 1988. It was ridiculous. I know mean, it was. It, it really was. Now I remember vividly. I'm thinking, sitting there watching the game, saying. That's a dive. You can't go holding on a, on a straight dive. I mean, everybody's probably just base blocking. You, you, you know, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh. Anyway, I'm just sitting here chuckling, listening to you. Now, I wanted to go back to uh, yesterday. I had a few things I want to say. I'm sure you realize now, but you didn't realize at the time when Hannah was saying 2.30, that's 8.30 a.m. that the Saints are going to play the Vikings in London. So, I, you know, I know you probably realize that now, but you may not have realized it then. So I just wanted to get that straight with you. So that adds insult to injury. It's 8.30 a.m. Oh, yeah, it's awful. Kickoff. It, it, it's, it's ridiculous. It's I terrible. hate that but Anyway, I wanted to call it. You know, Jay, you know, I, I know Jay was calling in about uh, about the history, not knowing the history. And I I, I heard the, con- the the conversation yesterday with me, guys, that mentioned, you know, I think that's part of the good thing about y'all station. There's a lot of diversity in the shows. You know, uh, Raymond and Hannah pretty much have a running repartee every morning, you know, and uh, and you really come on and, you know, uh, you know, talk a lot about history of games and so on and so forth. And then they come on, you know, Jordan comes on and Jordan's got – you know, uh, a lot of national people that he knows, and, and then they come on, and they, they, you know, when you listen to a young perspective about things as older people, it can be a little, uh, it can, you know, kind of throw you off a little bit. And I think that's what it was, because I was listening the other day, and they were talking about a song, you too still haven't found what I'm looking for. Like, and of course, I think that every, Seven billion people walking the planet, unless you, on the plains of you know some country, uh, far away somewhere, have heard the song. And 
One of them said, no, I don't know what you're talking I think it was Mesh said, no. And then me just sang a little bit of it. So I said, well, surely once he sings, because when you hear it on commercials, surely once he sings it, he's, and and James Mesh still didn't know the song. And I was like, wow. But I just think that's, you know, that we kind of have those reactions sometimes when. Yes. You know, you listen, I, I, I had no show. idea. I, I, I had no that, idea that, what that, Jay was talking about, but that that all yeah. makes sense. Hey, look, I it, it, it's amazing, to, and and I actually have fun with it because yeah, I think right. it's fun I think, because I, think, I, think I remember it fun it's funny sometimes. Yes, I remember being a young guy. First got hired at the Daily Advertiser back in '83, and you know those first four or five years there, I was. With people who are not as old as I am now, but were older, and they were talking about the '60s. And you know, when I was in high school and just out of high school in the in the mid '80s, yeah, the '60s right. seemed so long ago. Like the '60s, but now and, that's and, like you know, you know two thousand. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, it's just so different. Yeah, the world is so different now. For you know, because of all the things that exist, as opposed to. You and I were looking in books. We were reading books or reading an encyclopedia, or I was reading books about uh, Roberto Clemente or, uh, you know, Mickey Mantle or, you know, right. whoever. You know, so I just think it's just so different. But I think that's good. All, all right, Manny. So, Sony Michelle. Really Sony Michelle. You know? No, I agree. But, Sony Michelle, what you think? You want him or you? Uh, no, mean, or yeah, uh, yay or nay? Uh, you know he's a he's a good enough back, I think, to to you know give us good service until whatever happens with with forty one. You know, I definitely won't uh, better than nothing, better than Tony Jones, I think. Yes, for sure. <laughs> you know, I take him. Yes, I want Daryl Williams. You know, uh, so but I mean, yeah, huh? any any. Serviceable quality uh, veteran. You know, we need a, a, a veteran that can that can run the ball ten times a game. You know, catch a pass. You know, right. Do whatever. You know. Uh, absolutely. So, yes, and I if you him. think and if you think of a Georgia running back who has ever played for the Saints, let me know because I can't. I cannot think of one. I, I've been thinking. I cannot. I cannot. I don't think we've ever uh, had one. No. But I'm, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep working on that. All, All right. right thanks. Great one, man. Thank you. Um, by the way, it is official. Uh, no UL at Monroe softball game tonight. So 6 o'clock tomorrow is game one scheduled and a noon doubleheader for Saturday scheduled. And once again, the Cajuns, it's kind of a tricky deal. We've talked about it the last two days where if the Cajuns win all three games in Monroe, then they win the conference. It's a regular season title. If they lose one game and South Alabama wins all three, the Jaguars win the conference, even though they won't have nearly as many wins. That's my whole beef with the ma- with with mathematical principles that I've been joking about for a month. Um, South Alabama would win. If South Alabama, who is playing at Troy, I should say, which is playing at Troy. If 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 the Jags lose one of three, all the Cajuns need to do is win one of three, and they will win the conference. 
that it's that weird mathematical thing because they played so many more games than um, than the Jack. But that that's the scenario there. And again, game one will not be played in Monroe tonight. Game one tomorrow, scheduled for six noon doubleheader on Saturday. More very similar to a lot of these high school baseball quarterfinal series that will be going on this weekend, except for St. Thomas More. St. Thomas More, for whatever reason, is playing three days. They're playing game one tonight scheduled um, at Parkview Baptist, game two tomorrow, and then game three, if necessary, on Saturday. I think that's the only one involving an Acadiana area team. I think, if I'm remembering correctly, every other Acadiana area team is playing a single game that's involved in the quarterfinal series, is playing a single game on Friday, and then a doubleheader on Saturday. Uh, the young, the early, the the earliest one is Turlings uh, against University starts tomorrow at four. And we talked to Coach Batto yesterday, if you remember that. And um, most of the other ones are playing at like six or seven on 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 Friday, and then a, either a noon or a one o'clock doubleheader on doubleheader if necessary um, on on. On Saturday, yeah, I got a text that 41 Camaro was born in Georgia. I'm not talking about from Georgia, like the state. I didn't. I, I guess I knew that, but I'm talking about actually played for the Georgia Bulldogs. I'm sure they've had some that were born in Georgia. I have no idea on that, but um, that big running back it seemed like they had a big running back one time that came from Georgia. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure they've had some that that were born in Georgia, but I'm talking about actually playing for the Georgia Bulldogs. I don't, I don't think there is one. I, I don't, I can't remember one. Don't know that I'll look that up anytime soon, but just off the top of my head, I, I think he would, might be the first one, but he's not even on the team yet. We're just throwing that out there as a possibility just to get reactions. And Manny's reaction was kind of like mine. Prefer Darrell Williams, prefer a booker, Certainly wouldn't be on my top of my wish list, but does meet the criteria. Can catch a football, can run a football, has played in the NFL before. Better than Tony Jones. Um, you know, that's kind of the that's kind of the criteria. That's uh, the ingredients of what I want in a veteran free agent running back. So we'll see how that plays out. All right. Take a timeout when we come back on the game. We'll shift gears, talk a little Astros baseball with Patrick McClellan from the Lima Time Podcast next. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. It's not uncommon here on Footnotes for Kevin Foote's voice and his blood pressure to rise rapidly during the show. The fat guys like you and me need to be watching mop-up time just like the stars do. Sometimes it rises a little too high. That is stupid. Stupid. Not to worry. We have EMT standing by just in case Foote passes out. Back to more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. 
Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Before we get to our special guest, want to remind you about a chance to win Downtown Rising VIP passes. Downtown Rising with the Cold War kids will be coming on Saturday, June the 4th. And if you would like to win VIP passes and a chance to meet Cold War kids, you simply need to go to the website, join the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. You might win those VIP passes uh, for the ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience presented to you by Social Entertainment Raider Solutions, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. All right, we have with us Patrick McCullough from the Lima Time Podcast. How are you, sir? I'm great. I'm, I'm, I just want to hear you spaz out like the, on the rejoiner of you just yelling <laughs> stuff. I want to. I want to hear you just spaz out like that. Well, it, it's gonna happen. Uh, the, the the kind of things that make me angry is when like um, uh, earlier this week. Uh, who was it? The, the 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 Astros were facing a guy, and he had just walked, thrown like twelve balls in a row. And a guy goes up and starts swinging at balls in the dirt. It's like, were you not paying attention? This cat don't even know where the batter's box is. Yeah, Why get, are you you're swinging? You're, you're getting riled up already. Yeah, I like it. That's the kind of stuff that that aggravates me. All right. For, uh, one, uh, yesterday, I, I was able to watch the game, but I was working, and so I had it muted because if I, I listen, I, I get too distracted and I can't get my work done for an afternoon game. So did anyone say, like, if the, have the Astros ever gone an entire series and shut the team out every game? Did, 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 did you run across that fact during the, the broadcast or at any time yesterday? No, but I, I don't. That'd be pretty difficult, but I I don't know. I have no idea. No no idea. That's pretty exciting though to, to almost do it. The 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 la- the only thing I could find online in a pretty quick search was um, the uh, who was it the, the Royals in 2017 went like 30 something innings without scoring a run, and it would, it was the first time since '68 that it happened. Now three games is theoretically only 27 innings, but at least that's in the in the uh, you know in the in the in the neighborhood there. So no, and and it almost happened. I mean, if he didn't give up the two run homer to Suarez, I think it was going to happen. Yeah, I mean that's all they did. That was it. So I mean I. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say other than that. That's supposed to be a good baseball team. They got absolutely dominated, and they played terrible as well. So what are you going to do? They got, I want to say, 14 or 15 hits in in the series, and Suarez's homer was the only one that was not a single in the whole series. Well, yeah, that's not going to bring any runs in doing that. Absolutely. All right. I'm sure you remember this, and I don't remember the exact date, but I remember a series early last season where A.J. Hinch and the Tigers came to town and completely just skull-drugged the Astros. None of the games were competitive. They got hit after hit after hit. I don't know if you remember that series, and if you do, was didn't it seem suspicious? When that series was over, it was like, what just happened here? Uh, I don't know if it was suspicious, but yeah, I was at, I was at a couple of those games and, uh, I don't know. I, I think it's a, a time honored Astro tradition to just lose to the worst possible teams ever. <laughs> 
either it's either a bad team or a, a, a guy starting his first MLB game. Uh, they'll, oh, yes. they'll pitch seven shutout innings. So that's something the Astros just like to do. That that has definitely happened. So you really don't. I mean, you don't think. Now I'm not saying like illegal or anything, but you don't think there was anything to AJ Hinch and and just there had to be something there. The fact that AJ Hinch was the manager had to matter there. I mean, it just it was so just kind of doesn't belong with the way the two teams looked. Yeah, I mean, he he knows a lot of the guys over there. So, I mean, he could give you some real good insight on how, how to beat them or what could beat them. So, I mean, it could be some of that and uh, some luck. I don't, I, yeah, I don't know. That was a, that's a bad Detroit team that came in and Molly Watson. So, I don't really know. I don't, I don't really know. I, I'll go with you. Yeah, AJ was up to something for sure. Well, Nico Goodrum was on that team, and he is now with the Astros. What, what, what you know, he hasn't played a lot. He's had a few moments. Like, what, what's your react? What's your take so far on him? <laughs> I was joking with my friends this week, and I, I, I don't, I'm not sure he's real. He reminds me of just like a, uh, a creative player in a uh, video game. <laughs> kind of a random. Got one of those, like the names from a the Japanese would used to name the. the guys funny things on in like the old Nintendo games and stuff. So like, yeah. is that like a name like that? I don't know. I, I got I have no uh yeah, no opinion on him. He you know, one thing is he really you could tell he really enjoys being in Houston. Uh he said all the things you like hearing when 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 they signed him. And he has some versatility which is always, you know, big for 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 um any baseball team, especially the way the Astros typically are, they, they like. So we'll see. I, I don't trust that. I don't think you can trust him late in the season yet. In other words, he, he seems to really want to swing at balls out the strike zone, which I'm not a huge fan of. And so uh, I don't know that we can trust him yet, but he uh, he's okay. All right, Dusty Baker. What was – what when they hired Dusty Baker – what was your initial reaction, and how much of your opinion has changed in any way, good or bad, since he's been the manager? I'm I'm a I'm a Dusty Baker uh, supporter and fan, so I was I was pretty thrilled. I thought that considering the circumstances, uh, that's about as you get a Hall of Fame manager. That's about as good as you can do. Uh, and Dusty's probably the coolest manager in the entire league. So you get a cool guy. A guy that's chill and perfect to manage those guys under those circumstances, coming off the scandal and stuff. So I was thr- I was thrilled. You know, uh, here in, in this market, we we talk a lot about the Saints and we talk a lot about the Astros and Sean Payton, who I will call Casper the Quitter. He, um, <laughs> that's a great one. I, yeah, that's yeah, a good nickname. Yeah, like ca- <laughs> Casper the Quitter. He, uh, you know, I I certainly enjoyed all his years here. He did a lot of great things for the Saints franchise. But if you talk to the media, most of them, especially in his first seven or eight years, they kind of didn't like him. You know, the stuff you heard off the record about him, the behind the scenes and how he treated the media and handled the media was not real favorable. It sounds like no. it sounds like Dusty's the complete opposite. He seems so just again, I'm not there, so I don't know, but he seems like a guy who probably the media just loves and he treats everybody very well. Yeah, he's the coolest. He's the coolest and he doesn't wear visors like Sean Payton. <laughs> yell at the media. So yeah. Uh Dusty Baker is as cool as he is uh portrayed or he looks he just, he is as cool as you think he is. He's the man. Yeah. So I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan. One of the big concerns about him was that he had this, so say, history of wearing out arms and using misusing bullpens and all that. But I, I haven't really seen any of that in his years here. No, I uh, yeah, the, the big the 
the big thing on him was that he would leave uh, leave starters in too long and uh, leave pitchers when they're struggling and they get rocked. And uh, I haven't seen any of that either. I've I've actually been pretty impressed overall with how he manages the team in the game, and I I have I have no complaints. I I think he's doing great. You know, um, Verlander yesterday. By the way, are you still pinching yourself watching this guy? Like, every time he pitches and he looks like the Justin Verlander from the 2017 postseason, uh, I'm like, I'm just pinching myself. Like, is this real? Because in my mind, a year ago, this guy was never going to pitch for the Astros again. Uh, but but he got over 100 pitches yesterday. That, that was a, even a better sign from an uh, endurance standpoint. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm pitching myself because I can't believe, just believe he's an Astro still. It's just seeing him up there, I'm like, man, we have Justin Verlander. That's insane. But uh, yeah, he's, yeah, I, I, we, we should, we should not, any, we shouldn't be surprised that this is how he's pitching. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. He's incredible. When last year, no, I think it was during the World Series or it was during the ALCS, there was this story supposedly where he was going to throw out the first pitch and some of the Astros were like, wait, he hadn't been here all year long. Why is he coming now kind of thing? And so I thought that that meant that there was some animosity there. And so that really ensured my, my opinion that he wasn't coming back. Do you remember that? Like, obviously, that was smoothed over pretty quickly. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the real details on that. I can't. I can't imagine that the players were mad. Who who got mad about that? Supposedly, some of the players shut it down, and and he actually did not throw out the first pitch. So I, I, that was just a story, but I, I didn't know the behind the scenes. Yeah, uh, I heard that. that. Yeah, I heard that too. I, I yeah, I didn't hear it was the Astros players that shut it down. I don't know. Uh, yeah, who knows? I I think that is kind of weird though, to have him not around and you're just kind of showing up. I, I I don't really I don't really care for that too much either. But he's kind of he's kind of shown up now. So uh, Ryan Presley, you think he could be back this weekend? Because I think he had a uh, an inning where he only threw like six or seven pitches for the Space Cowboys. Yeah, he had a um, he threw a perfect inning, wasn't very many pitches. I, I'm pretty sure he'll be back this weekend. Rafi- they, but they didn't announce it. They said they were gonna they were gonna about to decide on it. So I don't know. Um, but I mean, you do a rehab rehab inning. I don't know what more. He needs to do, but that's up to them. But I, yeah, I would anticipate he's back. The um, Rafael Montero had been pitching great, and then I thought he looked. It was his worst outing since you know he hasn't had that many outings since he got traded last year. But I thought it was his worst outing. He looked shaky. I don't know if he was nervous pitching against his old team or what. So I'm kind of ready for Presley to. And Stanek was kind of iffy in the in the in the save that he got over the weekend as well. So I'm I'm kind of ready for Presley. Yeah, I mean he's he's the he's the guy he's the closer, and you, having him back there bolsters it anyway. So you just get you get those those two arms in in lower less leverage situations, and you get you got Presley to close it out. I mean the, the Astros have a making of a dominant bullpen, and uh, it's pretty exciting to uh, to think that that could be the case. Now this young lefty that he pitched again yesterday. I'm not sure even if I, I'm not even going to say his name because I'm probably going to mispronounce it. Do, do you buy him long-term, or do you think he's just a short-term guy who's actually done pretty well? Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't know. If he, if he, if he, uh, any lefty out of the bullpen is going to give a good look. Um, so I, I think he gets a good chance, but I, yeah, I don't know too much about him. All righty, sir. Well, this week is going very well. 
and we'll see what happens against the Tigers. Uh, I got to believe that en- there were enough players on this year's team that were there when they got skull drugged by him last year, so I would think they might bring that up for this series, don't you think? Let's go for it. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I think they need a they need to get a little revenge here and and and, set, and put them in their place. Maybe Nico can give them a little pregame speech. I appreciate your time, sir. Thank you very much. All right, all right. Have a good one. You too. Take care. All right, Patrick McClellan from the Lima Time Podcast. All right, it is time. We've been building up to this for about a month now. When we come back, time to talk. Kentucky Derby post positions with the man, Mr. Tom. We'll do that. If you haven't made your decided who you're betting on, if you plan on betting on the Derby, hopefully the next uh, 15 minutes or so will convince you of what to do. We'll do that when we come back on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. May 5th, 1925, Detroit center fielder Ty Cobb goes a perfect six for six with four runs scored, five runs batted in, and 16 total bases in the Tigers' 14-8 victory over the St. Louis Browns at Sportsman's Park in St. Louis. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports State Station. Ty Cobb went six for six. Rennie Stennett went seven for seven against the Cubs. Rennie Stennett, one of the great names in Major League Baseball history. Rennie Stennett, cat went seven for seven. All right, it is time to talk Kentucky Derby. With Mr. Tom. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well, Kevin. How are you? Oh, man, I'm probably not as excited. I'm excited. Uh, you know, I'm yeah. uh, that everything going on with the Saints and the Astros, everything's heading in the right direction, but probably not quite as pumped up as you are this week of Kentucky Derby Week. So are, are, are we composed? Have we been sleeping? Or are you just too anxious here? Well, I'm more anxious about the undercard than I am about the Derby. But the Derby is the, the focus here, so that's what I'm going to talk about today. All right. So I I kind of prefer the way the Derby used to be, to be honest with you, where mm-hmm. the favorites never won and the one hole was awful, and now they're telling me the favorites win all the time recently and now the one hole's not so bad. So uh, how do you kind of prefer it? Well, uh, since they started the point system, this is uh, eliminated horses that shouldn't be there. Now, I don't think that all 20 of these horses can win. But in the old days when they used earnings, uh, graded stakes or earnings they, they used, a lot of horses got into the race that shouldn't have been there. Now, you have to earn your way in by the point system. That's great. I like that. Favorites have won the last 10 years for the most part because we've had great horses, mostly from California, okay? Then the, the, the gate now, made in Europe, is 
20 horses, for 20 horses. If you look at it, and I looked at over and over and over, the one horse is about 20 feet from the rail now. So it's not a problem. The only problem the one horse would have is breaking toward the rail. You know, just they break to empty space. So that would be the only problem. So all of those post positions are fine, except number 20 or number 17. It's never one. I wouldn't want to be in either one of those. That's all. 20 or 17? Yeah, 20 or 17. I wouldn't want to be in either one of those. 17 because, like you, you know, it's a jinx. You know, it's one of those holes that nobody wins from. That's all. Plus, that that horse probably shouldn't even be here, Classic Causeway, right? Exactly. Classic Causeway should not be in this race. Right. I'll go on that that right now. All right. So there is one reason I can come up with, and and this is not an expert opinion. This is my little personal kind of novice opinion, which is going by names. Mo Donegal would be the worst name to ever win the Kentucky Derby. (laughs) So there's no way that horse horse can win it's a terrible name terrible again again i agree with you but it's only because he's so slow out of the gate that's the only reason that i would agree with you you, you. if your yeah, name is that. mo donegal you cannot win the kentucky derby you gotta have a classic <laughs> name well he's uh, named after uncle mo what can oh, i say that's One a terrible name so that, that horse can't win so yeah, um win. do you like <laughs> epicenters the three the three post position I, oh, yeah, I like that. That's fine. He's going to get out of the gate pretty quickly. But that horse next to him, Summer is tomorrow, is, is going to shoot to the lead. I mean, if he didn't get the lead, that means somebody beat on him or whatever. But he's going right to the lead, number four. And then after that epicenter, if he breaks well, he should be right there, too. Yeah, I have no problem with that post position. So, so other than the jinx thing of 17 and 20, do, are there any post positions that matter? Does post position even matter anymore? No, it doesn't. That, that's awful. You, uh, I don't think that the, the problem that horses have is do they get out of the gate? 75% of the race is out of the gate. What happens at the gate? I mean, if you stand up or or go to your knees or – throw the jockey or whatever, you know, that's where the race is probably going to be won, out of the gate. As simple as that. Why is Zandon the favorite? He's the favorite because everybody loves the way he ran in the bluegrass. He ran from way back. He went around a bunch of slow horses. He got back to the rail. Then he took off real good in the stretch, and he beat – um Whatever. I'm not even sure. Smile happy, probably. Uh, and he won. That's why they like him. And he's a Chad Brown horse. Chad Brown's never won the Derby. He's got a couple horses in this one. You got Zozos who will fly out of the 19 hole. But, you know, you have, the Derby's tough. You, you, going around a bunch of horses is hard. I can't predict this horse. He might be the favorite, but I can't. No. You, you, don't, I, I you don't sound like you like him. So. I don't like him because he don't have any speed out of the gate. That's what I don't like. That's all. All right. So, have you? Well, let, let let's wait a little while longer before I get, yeah, ma- sure, get make, sure. make, make make your pick. But um, yeah. let's start with this: of all, of anyone who's like a worse odds than ten to one, who do you think has the best chance of winning that that? You know where their odds are not, you know, too good on not paper. Not favorites, yeah. yeah, not favorites, yeah. I, 
I think that it, it, it boils down to about seven horses. Let me start with the first one. Um, Epicenter's likely. I like number five, Smile Happy. I don't like him that much. He's a run happy. But I'm going to tell you right now, this his sire, Run Happy, is owned by Mattress Mac. And you know Mattress Mac. Yeah. If if this if the odds go down to like four or five to one, Mattress is putting money on him. I, I don't think he can win, but he's certainly a good horse. Uh, number 13, Simplification, came out of the Florida Derby. He ran in a very, very fast early pace. That's what cooked Classic Causeway, by the way. And Classic Causeway's got a little bump on his face, so they have to change some of his equipment. But that's what killed Classic Causeway. The, the pace was so fast. And the more I looked at the race, the more I realized that White Barrio was pretty nice horse. But we'll get to that in a minute. So simplification can do it. Barber Road. I don't have to win with Barber Road because I have a future wager on him. But let me tell you, if this horse can get through get through traffic and not be too far behind, he's going to be very good at a good price. Number 15, White Burial. I didn't like this horse at all until I got on the webcam last night, and I had this webcam with a couple of people from California. This horse is better than he looks. Let's put it that way. 16, Cyberknife. He's likely to be about 10 or 12 to 1. He's a gunrunner horse that uh, Brad Cox has. He might be able to do it as well. Those are the horses that I'm looking at right now. And I haven't talked about the horse that I really like yet. But 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 Cyberknife, you know, I've heard Simplification and Cyberknife of everything that I've read and heard and yeah. looking at their odds, uh, they look pretty intriguing to me, those two. They're very intriguing, but I never thought much about either one of them until I started looking at the webcast. I started discussing this with some people that I know around the country. This this Florida Derby that I thought was just a donkey race turns out to be pretty good on the front end. I mean, it's fast enough to keep White Barrio and Simplification in the race all the way almost. So both of those horses should run pretty good. Okay, I noticed fact, you have... I notice you haven't mentioned Messier yet. Why? Messier, I'm, I'm, I'm off of Messier. The reason I'm off of Messier is because I go back and look at his race, and he didn't have enough energy in that race. You know, energy means like his motor. His motor just didn't run fast enough for me. So even if he breaks well, and even if he gets up there, I'm not sure he can finish the race. And I liked him a lot until a couple of days ago, but I'm – I'm off of that right now. I don't want to fool with those California horses. I really don't. So you think they're all going to not do well? Oh, well, I think they just haven't got enough seasoning with enough horses. Okay? The the six horses I've talked about, and the one I'm going to talk about in a minute, have run against a total of, let's see, 40 races for those for the seven horses, six I've talked about and the one I'm going to talk about. They've run 40 races between them. That's almost six races per horse. They've hit the board 32 out of the 40 times. So those six horses plus the one I'm going to talk about that I like, I, I just think they have more. What's the word you use, seasoning? Yes. I think they have more seasoning. This race requires that you have seasoning. That's the only reason I'm staying away from Messier and Taba and some of these other horses, like Mo Donegal or Zandon, because they're too slow out of the gate. The seasoning is what matters to me, 
And as we talked about on the webcam last night, it, it's just important to have enough races, you know? You just – I don't know. Rookies but, but, don't but, do but, all but, that but, well. but, but, but let me ask you, but let me ask you, yeah. who are the jockeys yeah. for Messier and Taba, and, and could they fill in the gap for some of that lack oh, of season? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they could. Uh, the jockeys can definitely make a difference. But I'm thinking that Taba and Messier just don't have enough races against a lot of horses. I mean, you've got to run against more than five horses in a race. You know, I'm not saying they can't win. No, that's not that. They're gonna they're gonna have as good a chance as any. But the seasoning, not enough races. That's that's my problem. A lot of these horses don't have enough races. So. Okay, so of all the considering and mulling over you've done, how much have you? How much of the jockey who's on what horse played into your into your handicap? Oh boy, not not a whole lot, really. I mean, we're at the point now where most of the jockeys have raced on these horses two or three times. They know who they're doing with. They know what they're dealing with. And these guys are good. Rosario, the the Ortiz brothers, Big Money Mike. all these guys know what they're doing. It's it's just a matter of, I mean, this is a cavalry charge foot out of the gate. I mean, this is, you know, this is chaos is what it's called. Right. Anything, anything could go wrong. All right. So tell me the horse oh. you've been waiting to tell us about. I'm going with the Japanese horse, Brown Pride, number seven. And I'll tell you why. Number one, he's worked lights out at Churchill. And I mean lights out, 46 and change, easy, 120-plus on seven furlongs, easy. The horse is a Japanese horse, yes. The Japanese have been winning everything worldwide, everywhere they've been winning. They won two Breeders' Cup races last year. One of them they probably shouldn't have, and the other one they were favored in. But they have been running in Europe, in Medellin, in Saudi Arabia, all, everywhere in the uh, in the East, Australia, everywhere. And they've been running well for the past couple of years. We used to laugh at them when they came to the Derby. They'd run dead last. I don't think it'll happen this time. Now, this horse, again, he may not run like I think he will. But when a horse likes Churchill Downs, you do not ignore him. And, and he's going to be a Big and you were talking about seasoning. They run their horses more than they run here, oh, correct? This horse has faced 47 horses in four races. <laughs> I mean, how can you get any better than that as far as a, a big tangle of horses? How can you do any better than that? Plus, he's fast enough to not get caught in the traffic. He's fast enough. And his, and his jockey, uh, Christian Lemaire, has won races everywhere in the world. I mean, he's a, one of the best jockeys in the world. So if he could get him out of the gate and get him in position, he has a very good chance of winning this race. Now, you look at his speed figures and stuff and you say, oh, I'll throw this horse out. No, 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 no. When you work that good at Churchill and when you work, this the Japanese have a special way of training their horses, and I don't want to get into that right now, but it's different than America. But you don't work 46 and change at Churchill and not run good. That's that's what I'm saying. That's, and he did it twice. It well, wasn't just a fluke. Well, we'll see. By the way, is the race yeah. later than it normally is? Is it going to? It seems like uh, a, I think it's. 
530-something or 540-something. I guess that's about right. It's sometime. But let me just, before I uh, linger, Friday afternoon in the the Oaks, that's a good race, too. And the number nine horse, Desert Dawn, by a friend of mine from California, Phil D'Amato, if you're watching, if anybody's watching on Friday afternoon, pay attention to Desert Dawn. She'll be a big price. Mud horse? Uh, it could be. It could, it's going to rain Friday. Yeah. But I don't think. I think Saturday it'll be clear. I'm pretty sure. But if it's raining Saturday, pay attention to simplification. Plain and simple. All right. Well, we'll see. And we'll see if you are the we'll man buy. like you were last hey, year. Like, like, like Andy Byer said, he had Madonna spirit like me last year. And he says his record in the Derby is not good. My record's not that good either. well we'll see all right mr tom i appreciate all your hard work and thank you we'll see what happens thank you for thanks for having me all right we'll take a time out finish out today's show next on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station footnotes you may not always exactly hear what you want to hear but you will hear what you need and of course i got all these oh you're an idiot and, you know what kind of safe fan are you look i'm not telling you what i want to happen i'm telling you what's gonna happen what more than likely is going to happen back to more of the sports talk you need to listen to with footnotes on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station I love that song. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to remind you, if you would like to win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou, simply need to become a member of the game clubhouse. You do that by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. So sign up today. All right. Crown Pride, the horse from Japan, I heard on Raymond's show earlier. Old buddy Chad said, watch out for that horse. Could be interesting. And it was more that horse is more than interesting to Mr. Tom. That's the horse Mr. Tom is picking to win the Derby. So we'll um we'll see what happens there. Big sports weekend. We still got tomorrow's show. But again, we've got the Astros, we've got the Cajuns and baseball on the road in softball. We've got um, you know, LSU softball trying to finish things out, LSU baseball trying to get that um that second spot in the West. So not like mega things as big as the Kentucky Derby, but still a pretty big sports weekend. And we'll finish previewing that on tomorrow's show. Appreciate Patrick and Mr. Tom and Coach Trohan coming on today. Y'all have a good one.